welcome to the Photofax Podcast, episode 12. This is Jim Felder. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Robert is not here. It is just me for this section. It's just the intro, and I am going to tell you what is coming up. So we've got Nagin Sobadi Photography. Sobani? Yeah, I said it wrong. Anyway, she is a great photographer. She's been doing it for quite a while, and she had some great content. It was a great uh, meeting with her, and it was a lot of fun. So just a couple things to mention, or one thing. Uh, the photo walk, Scott Kelby's Worldwide Photo Walk, is October 13th, coming up here in just a couple months. That's always a lot of fun. Uh, we will probably have two walks, one with Robert Trawick and one with Chris Danner, go to the link in the show notes. Uh, I think it's worldwidephotowalk.com or something like that. It's in the show notes uh, on the website on the blog at photofactspodcast.com. Go to that link and sign up. We will not turn anyone away, but the first 50 get to compete in the contest. Read, read all about it on that website. So here is the audio from the uh, meeting we had at Krispy Kreme in Oklahoma City with Nagin Sobani, myself, and Robert. Enjoy. Hi, and we are here with Nagin, and I can't pronounce your last name. Sobani. Sobani. I like that. And I'm here, too. My name is Jim. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, and it's Robert and Jim. Yeah. And we're actually in, this is not really Edmond, is it? Is it considered Edmond? This is still Oklahoma City, because we're south of the Turnpike. Okay, so we are in Oklahoma City at Krispy Kreme. Yeah, it's at Memorial and Penn. Memorial and Penn, and this is awesome, because I'm from North Carolina, so uh, Krispy Kreme is like near and dear to my heart. As well as my arteries. <laughs> I'm sure my wife right now is having a time thinking, oh my God, you better bring some home for me. Yeah, So I, I had two Krispy Kreme donuts, and Robert, I think, had four. Oh, thank you. Now it's live and everybody knows. I don't know. There's a box of dozen donuts and only a few left in there, so yeah. that doesn't quite add up. Yeah, they yeah. fell. Before they fell. I came. <laughs> thank you so much for coming today. It's my pleasure. It's, uh, it's awesome. I just want to say that you kind of got in this by being mentioned by the smug leaders, Kriya and uh, Sherry. So um, we... Hey guys! Uh, yeah. <laughs> we heard you had a, an, uh, an unusual way of pointing. Yes. Um, for Persians, which my, my parents are from Iran. They immigrated to the U.S. and I was born and raised here, but so much of their culture is, is a part of me, including the language and the food and, and so much of it. And um, it's quite common for Persians to point to something with their middle finger. Awesome. And I remember this, so, yeah. And <laughs> so um, a lot of times, if you, and there's a Seinfeld episode about this, and I always think about Seinfeld whenever I... Oh, we're going to be looking for happens, that. But um, a lot of times when you're pointing on a, like on a piece of paper at a list and you're pointing on one item of the list, it's common to use your middle finger. And so she's, she's pointing on the table right now. <laughs> yes, yeah, she is. doing that right now. I'm offended. So, no. so I have to... That's one thing I have to be careful, you know, not to let slip. But I don't do it very much, but sometimes I've done it. But that was, that was, I'm glad that he actually noticed that. I should have yeah. got the camera real quick and took that photo. Dun! Yeah, she was tapping the table as she was talking. That was awesome. Okay. okay, so let's start with the good stuff. So Jim is going to ask the questions right now. Hey, it's really? all good stuff. It's, it's all, all good stuff. All so how did you start in photography? 
Well, I'm one of those that, you know, started when she was very young. Um, I got my first camera when I was 10, and I still have that roll of that, those negatives from that first roll of film, and I've kept every roll of film since then. Wow. I wow. remember being at TGNY, begging my dad for a disc camera. She said, oh, you did not. TGNY? TGNY disc camera. Yeah, the Kodak disc mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Oh, that's Kodak awesome. disc camera, yeah. yep. I, I remember begging him for it. That was my second camera. My first was a 110. My second was a disc. And my third was a 35 millimeter when I was about 10 years old. 12 maybe. 12 years old. And I remember coming home. I was in the car leaving the zoo. And I finished shooting the roll. And I opened the camera to take out the film. And I saw the film strip and that's how I learned 35 millimeters wow. different from 110 and disc that you have to and you have to rewind the film mm. so at a very young age I was expressing myself in photography at um, in, in high school I uh, started shooting with an SLR started processing and printing studied through high school through college got a degree in photojournalism from University of Central Oklahoma. Oh, UCO. They got a great photo. Go Broncos! I actually did two years of art photography at OU and three years of photojournalism at UCO. So I feel like that really rounded me out in terms of art photography and journalism. And started working for the Associated Press um, Mm. in the The late 90s. AP guys, yeah. Yeah. Did you have an AP style guide? (laughs) (laughs) And I uh, finished, um, I left Oklahoma right after having my first photo published in the USA Today in color wow, cool. for AP. That was really exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty pretty neat. And um, I've been doing it, been doing photography ever, ever since. Um, started doing more portraits and weddings about 10 years ago while I was living in Israel. And, uh, and doing that still today. I love it. Now, you specialize basically in weddings, but you also do family, babies, etc. Yes. But that's basically what's true and dear to your heart is weddings. Yes, and I think that's because of my journalism background. I like telling the story of something. Of the wedding day. As it unfolds and not having to create a scenario, which I find that I have to do more in portraiture. You have to create the scenario. But in wedding photography, it's happening. And it's true, whatever's happening. Mm-hmm. I have a, a similar thing when I do portraits, especially if the, if the couple's really tight. Mm-hmm. I call it portrait journalism. Mm-hmm. So I'll uh, either bring a picnic basket along or I'll give them something to do, some activity. I think that's pretty common. Mm-hmm. And then we just basically photograph what is created in that moment, mm-hmm. hoping that at one time they'll forget about the camera yeah. right. for that split second and we'll get more of a candid type shot. So yeah, you're you're correct. And with the with the weddings, do you do an all day type wedding normally? I love doing an all day type wedding because I like to tell the whole story from mm-hmm. the beginning to to the very end. So. Oh, I'm gonna wind up hugging her. I can see this gonna happen. <laughs> so now on that, just a quick note uh, on an all day wedding compared to one that's just you know we, we talked before we started recording about how short weddings are here mm-hmm. uh, in the United States. But um, how many photos do you end up with with an all day? Wedding. Typically, I will end up with about 2,000 photos, 2,500 maybe, and then I will call it down to about 600, 650. Wow, okay. I, I usually don't like to work with more than 600 after calling. Yeah. 
And how many get to the customer? It depends. If they um, want, if they decide to purchase the images, they get they'll get all six hundred okay. edited. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, do you have a do you have a studio that people can come to 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 get shot or meet or whatever? Currently, I don't. I'm in the process of building a home that's going to have a studio inside of it, and that's. Um, Hopefully, we'll be ready by the beginning of next year. The home studio. Home, home studio. studio. Now, in the home studio, you, you're, are you actually kind of remodeling your house or building a house from scratch? I'm building a house from scratch, and I've, I've found a floor plan that accommodates the home studio because where most houses with three-car garages... The, all three bays of the garage are connected. Uh-huh. This particular floor plan, one garage bay is separate from the other two. So it has a single car garage in the floor plan, which I think will be a great camera room. That already has a, a divided wall type thing. So, you, so you actually went and looked at floor plans to find one that would fit a home studio. Yes environment. That's a great yes. idea. So you didn't actually tell the architect or whatever to build you a studio. It, you just took that floor plan and converted those rooms to be what you need them to be. Right. And this, this particular floor plan also has a guest bedroom downstairs and a bathroom with it. So that will become my meeting room where I meet with clients. And then the single car garage with air conditioning and heating, of course, uh, will be the camera room. So using the single-car garage, the guest room converted into a meeting room, and the bathroom will become my main work area. Okay, well, that sounds awesome. So what what uh, size are these two different spaces? The meeting room should be... Um, the meeting room is about 11 by 13 and uh, hopefully I'll be able to project in there as well I'd like to be able to project to my clients and I think that should be enough space I hope to project to my my clients and then the single car garage is 10 by 20 Wow. Well, what kind of problems have you found while you're doing this uh, setup have you found anything that you might not have considered versus actually opening a, a studio that's not in your home. Right. I mean, when you're actually thinking about this process and looking at these floor plans, you must have already had an idea of what you wanted your studio to look like. So you were looking for a particular space. So basically, I'm thinking, guessing, that you were looking at the floor plans for a studio that had living quarters. Basically, yeah. <laughs> basically, my criteria was... Uh, a guest room downstairs, and and the rest of the rooms, the children's room, and, and our and uh, most of our you know, other living rooms. Well, okay. Stop. My criteria was to have a guest room downstairs because that would have its bathroom and uh, a single car garage. And I found that that's not as common here as it is in other parts of the U.S. I was just in Texas a couple of weeks ago, and every house I saw had separate separated three car garages so that was a huge criteria 
problems with the process so far. Um, not so many yet, knock on wood. Um, <laughs> things I'm thinking about and preparing for is um, placing the outlets where I need them to be and, and thinking in advance about where I need to have power sources in That's both spaces. That's a good spaces. point. And how many? And how yeah. many. Mm -hmm. um, a power source near, in the ceiling mm -hmm. for if I want to... Um, project from a projector mounted on, on the ceiling, so having a power source there. That would be there. nice, yeah. Um, windows, I'm, I, I'm adding windows, full length windows to the single car garage, so I can, I have the option of natural light. So plenty of windows, plenty of windows in the shooting room, and plenty of outlets are what I've been thinking about so far. And of course, it being a garage, it's going to need to be air-conditioned and, right. and, and heated. Right, obviously. it'll have to be added yeah. to, the, to, yeah. the, to the system. Yeah, have you thought of, separately. Have you thought about the, uh, what do you call it, track lighting? Not track lighting like you light, but the, the lighting that's maybe on a track that's on arms that you can... Studio lighting studio that's mounted to the ceiling. Yeah, then you could, they're on arms and you just pull them up and pull them down. Yeah. Those I, are nice. That'll be something I'll, I'll have to look at once we've moved in. Mm -hmm. Right now, the stage I'm in is thinking about structural... Sure. Mm -hmm. needs of the of the space right, which I right. can't change later but mounting things so for example the electricity I have to determine that now before the house is built but adding things like ceiling mounted lighting I guess I would need to have electricity up there too yeah, Close. yeah. that would be the Good easiest point. yeah it's so if you had multiple um, and you know and then of course yeah, I've never built one like that, but now that you're talking about electricity, you might want to have those outlets on its own breaker because your lights will be pulling a lot more juice than the rest of the house will. That's a good point. So you may have to have your studio rooms mm -hmm. be on its own separate breaker, and they'll have to wire that separate from the rest of the house. I mean, you wouldn't want, I don't know, your toaster oven or your washing machine right. on something in the studio. Right, right. And be in the studio and it pop a breaker <laughs> and not realize that the refrigerator's off. Right, okay. Mm -hmm. Good point. So that might be something. Well, here we go. Now, when is this going to be done? I'm hoping to have things running by March at the by very March. latest. Which is our birthday. Hey, yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. Birthday party at, at uh, Nagin's house. So yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, so <laughs> maybe when this is done, you might be interested in having us back for a little video tour. I think that'd be oh, really cool. Yeah. That would be yeah. fabulous. That would I would love, love that. to do that. I would love to give a studio tour. That's awesome. Well, listen, I've, I've, I've kind of, you know, stalked your website a little bit, and we've, we've had some conversations at some of the wedding vendor network luncheons. Uh, with Tara Loki. Hey, you know what? We should have Tara on here next. That's right. Tara, Tara, you listening? Okay. Tara, she's not listening. No, she's probably not. Tara is a wealth of information. She a is. A fountain of knowledge. But she likes Italian too much. Yeah, she There's does. nothing wrong with Italian. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing not wrong with Italian, not but you know. And so, Mexican, we love to go to Ted's together. Yeah, Ted's. That's our favorite place to eat together. Ted's is a good place to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have some place on the south side that will probably beat Ted's. Mm. But we're going to have to take a gun. All right. <laughs> okay. So, looking at your website, I because of your travels, you appear to do a lot of destination weddings. Yes. I'm sure you have a lot of connections for those. And uh, I've shot a few, and I've only had to, like, fly once. Almost all of mine I've been able to drive to. So, one of the questions I thought about, you just got back from shooting a wedding in Barcelona. Yes. And um, so, what kind of concerns, tips, or tricks do you have or... Concerns for someone that does a destination wedding that maybe 
maybe we're not doing a destination wedding. Maybe we're going to go on vacation on a cruise, you know, of getting the gear that you need to where you need to be, either by, well, you had to fly. I guess you didn't take a boat. So destination wedding photography, tips and tricks for the people that are listening. Well, I would say the most important thing is to travel light. You have to try. There, there are very strict regulations with weight, especially when you get into Europe. The weight limits in Europe are usually lower than they are in the United States. So you're, you have to travel light. You, you can't take a whole bunch of clothes and every lens that you have. You have to be selective with what you carry. Um, I, I travel with my gear on me. Uh-huh. In that I don't check it in. I, I have a low-pro bag which carries my equipment. And I take it in as a carry-on. But I make sure that it fits the requirements of, uh-huh. of the uh, airline, luggage. Yeah. the luggage airline. When I'm choosing what kind of lighting I want to do, I tend to travel with speed lights because they're much lighter than... And you're, and you're shooting Canon. I'm shooting Canon. So you're using like the 580 EX2. 580, and I just got the 600. You EX. did not. I did. Oh my god, that'll be a whole another yeah. episode. I, I shoot Nikon, and I am enamored with that flash system. Yeah. How is it? So far, so good. Oh yeah. my god, you're gonna make. I just got one, so I'm I'm gonna really be able to reap the benefits when I get the second one. Yeah. So oh, for now, it's, I'm is... just pretty much using it like my 580 EX. But wow. yeah, I but have... now that's the wireless trigger, though. Yes, but you need to have a second one to to utilize to that. utilize the wireless. You can't wireless. You can't use it with a 580 as a wireless trigger unless you'd use it as a slave. The can 580 you, should be able to set up as a slave optically. Optically, right? Optically, right? Yeah, optically, but not, not radio. Not, not radio, exactly. Yeah, this right. is radio. This is a transmitter and receiver. So basically, Canon has knocked out pocket wizards, yes. radio poppers, cowboy triggers, anything you got out there with this system. This is it. This is it. We're so excited about it. Yeah. I know. Very okay, excited. so back on the uh, <laughs> lighting, <laughs> the lighting that you would use, uh, speed lights, because they're light. Right, so I take speed lights. I take very light, compact tripod. Uh, I, take, I take a very light, compact tripod, which I would use for a speed light or a camera. Another important consideration is whether you need to take adapters or transformers and knowing the difference between the two. An adapter is basically changing the head of your plug so that it fits into an outlet, but there's no changing the power. And a converter is something that converts the power. So you want to know if your needs are for a converter or an adapter because you'll fry something that if you, do, if you make like a mistake. Like a charger or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, generally, um, all, all of the equipment that I use down to the laptop, and I, if anyone who's traveled overseas has experienced this as well, um, generally electronics like laptops, chargers, they just require an adapter. So having plenty of adapters. In fact, recently what I've done, on my, last, on my trip to Barcelona actually, I took a power strip. I just bought a power strip from the store because I needed so many plugs for all of my things I needed to charge my phone, my iPad, my laptop, and I couldn't, you know, I didn't have enough outlets in my space, so I would take one power strip and have those outlets for my equipment. Actually, that's a great idea because you only need to have one adapter that plugs in, and then you still have your... 
Well, they wouldn't be a 110 voltage, but it'd be a 110 American plug yes, still right. on there. That exactly. way you got to have all those adapters for each thing. Exactly. Yeah. That's so a great two, idea. Yeah. Two power strips were power more, than, strip. more than enough for right. what I needed. Wow, that is so absolutely So, as far cool. as your, you said uh, packing live for this trip, uh, I, I wanted to just add that if you have more equipment and you need, like if it's a big project or a big uh, shoot, uh, I've heard of guys actually shipping their equipment to their destination and have it be there when they arrive. That's one way. Or when you get to that place, you can rent at, from a rental, contact a rental place there, get it all rented and everything, and that way when you get there, you can go pick it up. Those are the two options there. The only thing about uh, the, the shipping is that, you know, you run the risk of, you know, shipping going bad or something, you know. Uh, that's what That's a way you could... You know, have all the more equipment than you would take on the plane normally. So, right. is, have you ever done that? I've never shipped before. No. Okay. What about insurance? Insuring your equipment when you're you're flying. There is travel insurance available. I just go with the insurance that I already have. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, listen. This has been great. I thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Guys. But before we wrap up, I just had one more uh, thing that I wanted to talk about. We talked a little bit before. We are at 20 minutes right now, and I apologize, but it's great content with, with Mickey Absolutely. Uh, we had talked before we started recording about workshops, and you did a workshop recently in, in D.C., Washington, D.C., uh, kind of photography-related, uh, and uh, I was going to ask you uh, about that, and then also, how did you, how did you uh, get that gig? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, this this workshop that I offered in D.C. was primarily for parents with children who wanted to take pictures of their children. And for me, it's not, as, as a portrait photographer, a family portrait photographer, I don't feel threatened by my clients knowing how to take good pictures because really, honestly, they, they're not going to hire you for every little single thing that their child does. And... I want them to feel empowered and to feel confident and to mm-hmm. feel that they can do something too with their with their photography. Right. So this workshop is just to teach the basics to parents about shooting their children. Um, there are two parts to the workshop. So we talk about various as- basics of photography from everything from composition to the technical side, learning basics about aperture, shutter speed, ISO, shooting without the flash, learning how to shoot indoors, window lights, the basics of, of p- portrait photography. And that's what the content of the workshop is. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do all these mothers or parents have DSLRs or SLRs? Not necessarily. Or? They're not required to have a DSLR to, to take the, the workshop. And I kind of find that encouraging. And I think yeah. that's a reality for all of us that, you know, with with any camera you can produce sure. beautiful that's what I was going to say is images. a lot of people that do have the, the point and shoots still make mistakes that they it would be better that they know some things right. uh, to not do or to do and frankly, uh, with their point and shoot and honestly a lot of people that end up having DSLRs put on program mode and end up with point and shoot like exactly. images right. anyway so, You're right. mm-hmm. so, um, so no they don't need to have a DSLR the way I got that particular um, workshop together is a friend of mine who lives there is a part of a mom's group. 
she has children and in this parent group email forum there are hundreds of parents and so she just threw the idea out there what, what do you guys think about us bringing in a photographer to teach us some basics and there was a very positive response and what I did was I, I calculated how many students would make it worthwhile for me to go out there mm -hmm. and if I got double that in, in interest then I would go mm -hmm. and it ended up that um, double showed interest and double showed up so it's awesome so it was great. It was really fun. And um, one of the things I did was I incorporated images that those parents took. So what I asked them to do was I asked them to send me an image that they loved. Mm -hmm. And um, what I did was I used their images. To critique? No, oh, okay. not so much to critique, but to illustrate my points. Mm, Everyone, yeah. someone did a rule of thirds. Someone right. used window light. Mm -hmm. And pretty much everything I wanted to teach... Someone had done it, whether they had known it or not. Right, yeah. So the the look of pride that those students had when mm -hmm. they saw their photo projected as an example of a technique that everyone else was learning was huh, beautiful. Cool. <laughs> and then their parting gift was, um, I didn't want to spend a lot of money because I wanted to keep the price low so that people would come. So I didn't want to just, I didn't want to have a big frou-frou bag of mm -hmm. just stuff that they had to take home. I want it to be meaningful. Everything I do, I want it to be meaningful. Mm -hmm. So their gift was that photo that they took framed. Mm -hmm. So they took away something that they did and not realize how great it was. Yeah. And it was in them all the time. <laughs> wow, that's great. Um, Did you edit the image at all or you just left it alone? Just maybe straightened it. Sure. Maybe just... I did what, besides straightening... I did what a photo uh, um, lab would do. What a photo lab machine would do automatically. The automatic corrections it would do with contrast, density, yeah. and color. Yeah. The, that, that machines just do on their own. Yeah. So very, very tiny. And um, and the other reason I wanted to do that was to remind them of how important it is to print your images. See right. how many times you're going to look at that photo now that it's printed. Uh -huh. That's so true. that they sort of took that home with them, appreciating the value of the print. And not just the disc of the images that you take home from your yeah. That's your something we all room. need to do. I we all we oh don't even try. I've been to your house. Hey, you don't have any more wall space for all the photos you have. I well, got like those six are the shots large, on my wall. Enlargements. I mean, you know. Oh, he's got tons on his wall. I'm <laughs> gonna do a little a house. It's a Jim Felder shrine. It's the Jim Felder shrine. Anyway, okay. Well, that was awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was outstanding. We love it. A lot of great it. content for our podcast. Definitely a lot of great content. We're going to put some URLs of the things you talked about online. Great. And if you decide to do any workshops in Oklahoma City or in the area, please let us know. We'd love to include that on the, on the podcast Definitely. and the URL. And thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. Thank and we guys. love it. I've yeah. had a great time. Thank you so much. Okay, great. Thank you. Now it's time for Photo Fact. Well, the photo fact for this episode is an app, actually, for the iPhone and the iPad. I'm not sure if it's on an Android device, but it's quite possible. If not, there's probably a an alternative app, something similar to it. But it's called Easy Release. It's a model release app. Um, you can do a model release for... Your, your models or your, your portrait subjects or whatever and have them sign a model release right there on your on your device 
They can sign it. You can take a picture of them and um, send them a PDF and whoever else needs it. Um, you can select legal text version to use on a pre-release basis. Um, you can add as many custom model and property property versions as you want. Uh, it's customizable branding header for logo image, company name, contact info. It can be turned on or off or, uh, you know, per release or release type. Uh, there will be a, a link to this app in the show notes to iTunes, to the iTunes um, app store. So uh, that's my tip. It's a great thing to have on site right there with you. Uh, have your model sign it right there. So there you go. That's the photo fact for this week. You got to say something to me. Check your audio. No. Great to be here. It smells great in here as always. Yes, it does. Oh, great. I love, I love, that'll be a good uh, outtake at the end. Yeah. It smells great in here, Robert. <laughs> Oh, no.